Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of RestaurantOwner.com and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. Here are your hosts, Barry Schuster and Chris Tripoli. Well, welcome to another episode of Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli. And I'm Barry Schuster, editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. And we were very, very happy to have with you today a very special couple and a very, very interesting concept to talk about. We've waited a long time to be able to get Shami and Mitu Malik together with Barry and I for this program. We're going to talk about a concept called Musafir. We're going to be talking a lot about coordination from across the Atlantic and a most interesting project that took a long time and was well worth it. So Shami, Mitu, welcome to Corner Booth. Hi, Chris. Hi, Gary. Hi, Chris. Hi, Gary. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to have you. I've seen your location and I got a sense of your concept when I visited Houston and it was incredibly impressive. And I've thought about you quite a bit because it is such an ambitious project and beautiful. And then COVID swept in. Tell us about what drove you to Houston, the Galleria, this particular concept and then kind of lead us into where things are going in terms of adapting to what everybody calls the new normal. As far as the concept itself, opening in the pandemic was the last thing we ever expected we would be doing. It is definitely a very ambitious project. We've had restaurants previously, we still have other restaurants, but this was always going to be our sort of crown jewel. So making this concept from visualizing what it would be to executing it, getting it up and ready and running has been very interesting the entire journey. It has been the learning experience for us, but it's had its challenges. It's had its rewards. We'll say that the concept has come together beautifully in terms of what we had envisioned and what we had thought it would be. In some cases, it has surpassed what we had expected. This industry is probably one of the I don't know if everybody says that, but the restauranters tend to feel that this is one of the hardest industries to be in, most difficult, you know, every day is a challenge, get up every morning and you know that, you know, you're going to get at it and make it work. So that continues to be the case. However, it's like I said, it's been great getting it to this place. It's been wonderful being here in Houston, being here in the United States, you know, this being our first concept, working within the realm of new reality. I would say we were blessed, one, to have been in Texas, though we did have, you know, tight restrictions when we opened. We were able to go up to 75% capacity within, I would like to say, five to six months of opening, which was very helpful in the business. People have been really warm, I think, which is a part of Southern hospitality and sort of character of this part of the country. So people have been really warm and welcoming to us, which has been great. We changed our expectations when we opened in the pandemic. Our numbers changed, what we expected from our business changed. The model changed from being a lunch, dinner, you know, tea, late night, chef tasting menu to only a dinner concept. We've now recently introduced lunch and we are going lunch three days a week. Now we're making lunch five days a week. And so we're, you know, going step by step back into what we had originally designed the concept to be. 
So that was one of the biggest things of opening in COVID times, us readjusting our expectations of reality and of what the restaurant was going to be. But having said that, we hired, we trained. Actually, our training had to also change into virtual training, just like, you know, it's happened across the world for everybody. So we had to record videos. We had to, we had to reinvent ourselves in so many ways. And then putting in place COVID precautions because we wanted to make sure our staff was safe. We wanted to make sure our guests were safe. And we wanted to make sure that, you know, we would be running an operating restaurant even with the challenge of COVID. And it's been good. Again, we've learned so much. COVID seems to be kind of getting towards the end of its journey so far, you know, as what we are hoping it'll be. And we're hoping that, you know, as we go forward, we keep adding more to our operations until we get back to what we had originally envisioned our concept in its full potential to be. If you wouldn't mind, I think the listeners would probably very much like to know a little bit more about you, how you all got started, what made you interested in the restaurant business, where you're from, and what drove you to then jump all the way to the U.S. to create this concept in the first place? So I'm just, before Shavi goes into the detail, I'm just going to say one thing that when we were going out before we got married, I think probably the first time I went out with Shami, there were two things he told me which have happened to come true. One was he said, you know, if I ever have a son, I'm going to name him this. So I would like to name him this. He didn't want to just say it like that because, you know, he wanted me to have my say in it. And second thing was that one day I wanted to be owning a restaurant of my own. And so fortunately, both these things have, uh, have come to pass. And um, now I'll let Shami answer for the vision and the desire to be a restauranter. Oh, yeah, that, that, that is true. I, I, my, my impression always uh, when I said I want to be a restauranter was uh, I, uh, I don't know if you've uh, seen the movie Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> yes. So I, I used to, I, <laughs> Yeah, imagine myself with the, the, the hat and the cigar and a white suit and owning a restaurant and a, and a bit of a happening place, you know. So it, that's where it all started. I mean, it, uh, my, in, our initial direction when we started business was not food, but it was commodities. And uh, I think the first food-related business we had was, which we still do to, today, we started in 1993, was import of ice creams into, into West Africa. And we still we still truck down um, ice creams from Iowa, uh, you know, all the way to Lagos, Nigeria. And that's been, uh, you know, that was the first interaction with, with food-related business. Our, um, our, our, you know, though Indian food was was my passion, and uh, if you look at the families we come from, both both of us. We had very indulgent and very, uh, how would I say, you know, term them as foodies. But uh, I mean, my my both my mom and my dad's side, you know, for they they were always uh, there was there was always so much focus on food. Oh yes, absolutely. And we were even in my side of the family. One, um, my father was in the police, so we traveled all over the country. And uh, my my father was the biggest foodie you can think of. At breakfast, we would be figuring out what we're going to have for lunch, and <laughs> at lunch we would be deciding what what dinner would be that night. And fortunately, my mom was very interested in cooking, um, was a fabulous cook. And um, just the the fact that, you know, we were exposed to so many different cuisines um, from a very young age because of the fact that we moved around the country and uh, and that, you know, 
we had a very uh, willing family that wanted to eat great food and a willing person who wanted to cook that great food so i think we grew up with this you know very strong environment um, uh, of of food being a very very important element in um, you know in our uh, lives Uh, so i think that kind of made it very easy for both of us to get into this um, this business and this industry uh, we wanted to share um, the joy that i guess we derive from um, from great food you know wonderful ambience so from just kind of bonding and and being together and and celebrating over food you know you can't miss with a strong strong foundation of family food as a background and then a movie like casablanca i mean <laughs> <laughs> i also do remember that um, my our, our first dinner uh, after we got married i took her out to this very famous restaurant in india called bukhara and it's really well known for one of those items on our menu as well as that 72 slow slow cooked uh, Uh, lentil, uh, which is called the the the, the dal makhani, and that that is very famous from that restaurant itself as well. Very short, brief menu. All most presidents from uh, they used to be. I remember at that time a a Clinton, a Clinton uh, menu itself as well over there because the, more, all American presidents who visited had eaten at that restaurant. So that's where we had gone, and that was actually my inspiration. or our inspiration to open our first indian restaurant a very concise menu a very to the point in terms of taste menu authentic uh, authentic in terms of authenticity yes uh, and uh, so our first restaurant though not indian was a pizza place um uh, in in we started in ivory coast and then uh, opened up our for the first pizza restaurant in nigeria in lagos yeah and from there onwards i, I remember the indian restaurant uh, the first one came up uh, with just a, a space we had and we had to fit in something in it and we actually put in a, a smart casual indian restaurant with a very concise menu and it was a hit from day one and and that's where the journey started on on the indian cuisine front I have a question about the menu. I teach. I'm a professor at university. I have a number of colleagues who grew up in India, and we go to lunch, and they say, "Oh, this is a great place. This is good Indian food." And they they taught me Indian food, very regional, um, and but many places are very casual, and the food is very good. Your place is magnificent, um, as an ambience and location. Uh, what do you do with the menu um, to elevate? the in, indian food where i've been taken to very casual places by my colleagues who are from india and said this is very good food but it was nothing like the kind of uh experience i would have sitting at your tables does that make sense right you 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 kind of as they say hit the nail on the head and this is where it all started from you know uh, if you you like you rightly said most indian restaurants uh, one are very slapstick as i would use the the, the thing very ordinary decor um, and and the cuisine is normally either north or southern indian you know those are the two regions which are the most popular and north indian or northwestern frontier food as we call it has been uh, probably the most widely uh, uh, kind of set up indian restaurants all around the world uh, but you know coming from like me to said that you know with her dad being in the police and she traveling all the 
all over India and experiencing different cuisines. Our, you know, our 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 vision was to bring India in its entirety uh, onto the table, um, and and also at the same time we wanted to do a concept which would bridge that uh, gap of a very diner who would always associate Indian cuisine with a casual dining space. Also, not not only that, but also um, seeing where cuisine uh, in general has gone to. It's no longer that, hey, you know, you go to have a really nice, flavorful meal, which still, um, you know, is at, at the baseline, the, the most essential part of, um, you know, being a restaurant. But food has elevated to a level where there's so much, it's, it's a work of art and, and chemistry. Uh, you know, there's so much that goes into a plate now, so many techniques that, that you use so much imagination that hey if it's a if it's a chutney can i make it into a dust can i make it into a crisp so and i think that to answer your question of how um, you know our cuisine is different from what you 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 know you regularly go and eat at uh, casual restaurants is that um, we our baseline principle always was and always will be that we have to maintain the authenticity of our food because our main goal of uh, doing an Indian cuisine restaurant in, in uh, you know, a foreign country is that we really want people to taste our food. So we, we, we do not do any, you know, we don't uh, tweak recipes as far as the taste goes. But beyond that, we really want people to um, enjoy food at the level that it is globally. So we work with, uh, our chefs work with you know, the latest, latest sort of techniques. Uh, they work with uh, different forms of plating. So, so you will see a lot of creativity um, on the plate. Uh, you will see a lot of uh, fun elements on the plate. You'll see a lot of elements that surprise you, um, that, you know, look different. And when you put in your mouth, you're like, oh, wow, you know, what was that? So that's the kind of um, um, sort of, you know, how we how we created a menu which is truly unique um, and different from um, just dining at a regular casual Indian restaurant. And then just to, to say a little more on on the authenticity bit as well, though we've used the, the most global uh, and techniques, the most modern techniques as well. That what we've seen is that we've had people coming from different regions of India who let's let me give you an example like West Bengal. Uh, and the Bengalis are very, very uh, indulgent in their food. It's a great cuisine, but you don't see it mostly in restaurants all over, all Indian restaurants all over the world. And we've had them come and one guy said, hey, I know you've got this dessert. I was on that table and I was suggesting desserts. And I said, hey, why don't you try this thing called the Mishti Doi? And it comes from Bengal. I said, oh, you know what? Uh, I come from Bengal. I've grown up on that dessert. I've seen the picture of how you present it. And I actually don't want to spoil my, you know, kind of image, my taste, my how I, I, I perceive that dessert to be. So I said, no, no problems. Let me just send it to you. I sent that to them, came back after 15 minutes. They said, oh, my God, this is exactly how that street side shop, which I used to, which I, the neighborhood I grew up in, was how it rolled out. And, and they could never imagine because we yogurt based dessert, we had dehydrated the yogurt, made them into mushrooms. 
so it looked very different very very artful very very colorful but you know so so this is where uh, we are in terms of our style and then in terms of keeping the authenticity of our of of the dish from whichever region it comes from it's wonderful that you can combine both the authenticity of that region taste but then in a technique and a presentation that elevates it uh, and makes it your own um i'd like you to explain a couple of things too to the listeners the concept is called musafir tell us what that means and how did that how does that represent the concept's development i've read about the 100 and 100 and some day journey maybe you could explain how how was that meant to be why was that important how the research and the name went together to create this restaurant well <clears throat> mitu will probably uh, take you through the journey but uh, you know the the name came after the research you know and that's a very interesting story too but you know our our, yeah. our quest for uh, so we were very um, we had decided very early on that we would do a regional cuisine menu again because we wanted to showcase and and highlight our homeland and and the cuisine of our country uh, we decided that it has to be in its entirety and indian cuisine if you are you know familiar with it um it's vastly different depending from on the region that it's coming from a uh, lot of uh, sort of reasons that contribute towards that um the geography of india you know the it's a subcontinent the lower part being coastal the upper part um being you know mountains the, the himalayan ranges then the the flat plains there's a desert state uh, and then there's the coastal uh, part of india so the geography being one um other than that uh, you know india has a rich history and it's it's had uh, from explorers coming to it to those who actually colonized it we've had a lot of exposure to different cultures um from the the greeks to the turks to the peruvians um, to the dutch yeah and the, the french and the british so and each um um sort of uh country or community uh, that that came into contact uh, with the country um left a, a real tangible influence on the food um of course it ended up being a little bit different from where it originally came from because of the fact that you know it, it there was a mixing up uh, with the local um let's say spices uh, and techniques of cooking that indians had uh so having decided that we wanted to do the regional menu because it is so diverse um we decided that the only way if to preserve authenticity is you know even though you're an indian not every indian has been to every part of the country again because it's a big and diverse country so <clears throat> we decided that we would send our chefs on a journey because we wanted them to get true recipes from each region which we we could then put on our menu so they were sent on a journey um you know pulled up contacts of who knows who does you know trying to find not just going to a particular region and a city to go to a hotel or to go to the famous um you know restaurants, restaurants and eating places sure. even if they're all in the walls but actually getting into the homes of local people who live there because they are the ones who have the true techniques they are the ones the who recipes, yes. have the true recipes because they've passed uh, you know they've been passed down from generations so that's what they ended up doing they went to you know into the homes of the local people they cooked with them um 
lot of you know interesting stories that they gathered on the way um but that's how we collected uh and we have a huge bank of recipes i think we've just dipped into uh probably a quarter of it yeah a quarter of what we have um uh, so that was that was our we, you know we termed it the 100 day journey it took longer than that um we had it was done in in bits and pieces so a certain region was done and then we would regroup um discuss recipes we would do some food trials to see what could and couldn't work then start the journey again so that's how um all of that happened and at, i think it's it's kind of the integral and the most important part of our um restaurant and our concept because that ties everything together oh, 100 days of traveling regions meeting the people cooking in their homes uh and that's how the recipes were collected that's you know, we don't uh, Barry and I don't get to come across startup concepts that do that kind of recipe development very often and the word musafir means a traveler and it it just kind of fitted so well with uh, the journey we undertook all over india and uh, and how did we come about it as well and we've got a musafir in the restaurant you must have seen it's a, it's a bigger than life size uh, uh, statue um we we were on the we decided we were doing a video of the journey and we decided that at least one state we me and mitu would join the chefs and be on the journey so we went to the state of rajasthan and uh, we went to learn this technique of this um, um slow cooked meat uh, you know it's called the the ro- uh, the, the lal mas and it's cooked over many hours uh, over different marinations and so we've gone to learn this technique uh, and we were going to this remote uh, kind of location which uh, belonged to a friend who's the the maharaja of that particular province and on the route we see on the freeway um, a herdsman with his uh, flock of sheep um, and i told me to i said hey why don't you get off and this was just purely out of interest and you walk with this whole herd and with this um, uh, this this um, the shepherd and let me take pictures so i parked a little up ahead about maybe a quarter of a mile and i, I took pictures as they all they, as they walked in and then we we took that herdsman and we took him to a famous sculptor the picture and we asked uh, him to uh, kind of make this into our real life musafir so <laughs> Uh, he's out there somewhere he doesn't know you know that uh, he's been represented here but uh, that's what musafir is 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 the storytelling and the education integrated into the guest experience in, in any way absolutely absolutely so that's again something uh, uh, that that forms the core of our uh, uh, restaurant that it's not just going out for dinner it's actually going out for the experience so uh, to that effect we have uh, we overindulged in designing the space that we have um it's a huge space it's almost it's 10600 square feet um and again because we wanted people to get um uh, actually be sort of visiting our country um and since they couldn't do since not everybody could do that we thought we'd bring our country out to them so um we have designed it uh, very intricately we have uh, craftsmen um, who have been uh, who were sourced um, we have um, forms of art and craft that have been highlighted in the restaurant uh, everything has been custom made for us um, 
and again we because it's um, so uniquely indian and because we were highlighting um, our country and its uh, its art and craft we decided that everything would be uh, made in india and shipped from there uh, and brought into the space so that's the first thing is creating the ambience we have we have a room uh, called the shish mahal which translates into palace of mirrors which you find in most palaces um in in india and it's the one room where the kings would entertain um so the entire room would be made out of different styles and designs but entirely out of mirrors um probably the reason being that this room was used for entertaining they would have dancers and candlelight um you know in all probability candlelights uh, and then the effect of the dancer would be magnified you know hundreds and thousands of times in those uh, mirrors that were that would line the room and also because the women of the, the royal women were not allowed to sit in public with the men uh, to enjoy performances so they would have their rooms which were located um, in such a way that some part or the other of the performance would always be visible to them visible to them through the mirrors in the room so uh, that's just an example i mean it's 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 crazy that room took 4 months to build um, in india and then it took another 2 months yeah a couple of months to yeah to ship here and then uh, and yes so it was made there it was assembled made there disassembled packed shipped brought here and then reassembled and put up uh, here again so every part of the restaurant has been made like that with a lot of detail and um, so so is the menu you know every dish comes with a story yeah <laughs> yes absolutely so the history of the food is related um when we we i don't know about other restaurants but i i think we probably one of those restaurants that has the most extensive training program so we have a four week training program for um, all our staff we have a beautifully uh, designed um, sort of custom program that talks about the history and culture it's called the culture uh, module it talks about um it's like us training people to be almost as indian as they can be so we go back into the history of india from the time that you know it started right up going up on uh, as far as history goes who the rulers were um, who the invaders were who the uh you know local indian uh, dynasties that ruled india were up until modern india they they study about the political system they know who the prime minister of india is who the two um dominant political parties of india are um then they 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 study about the geography of india what are the crops we produce what is the different uh, landforms that we have in india what is the different climates that we have uh what are the main major rivers we have um after that they study about the religions um that are in india what are the ones that actually originated in india and what are the others that came into india um all of these eventually tie into how um all of this affects the cuisine of india um there are certain uh, restrictions that certain religions impose uh, on what the people can and cannot eat so they they need to be aware of that as well so it's a very very extensive training program just for them to be able to um know more than what's just on the menu and we've often been complimented by our guests saying that 
uh, you know, your guys are so uh, well-informed and so knowledgeable that, you know, we asked them one question and they gave us like, you know, a long history uh, behind that. So that's, uh, that's what we've tried to... Uh, so it's experiential create. dining, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of, uh, uh, the, every dish comes with a story, like I said. That's incredible. It's incredible you're to be commended for the amount of detail that you work into the training. And I would imagine that it's also um, for the for the professional workers in the industry. I think it's also refreshing that they can um, they can be a part of a concept um, that uh, is more than uh, about the steps of service the delivery of food, you know, they're actually learning the reasons, the history and the story behind it. I think that's fantastic. Um, Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the customer reaction. How long have you been open? Um, What type of guests do you have? Is this more worker? Is it local? Is it ethnic? Is it business traveler? Um, And uh, how have the critics uh, accepted Musafir so far? So we have been open. We completed our first year in the middle of May. Uh, We've been open for a little more than a year. I think uh, we have to discount for a lot of the first few months because we had such limited, uh, you know, capacity and seating and such limited number of people who were willing to come out. We closed for two weeks because of COVID as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. So so, uh, operating about a year now. And it's been... Honestly, uh, Chris, we've been really pleasantly surprised by uh, how people have liked and appreciated uh, the cuisine, the restaurant, the concept, how people have appreciated all the effort um, and the love that has gone into making something like this. It's been very gratifying to see that we have, um, as far as you asked about um, uh, if it's an ethnic restaurant, uh, it is an Indian cuisine restaurant, but our client base is extremely diverse. We have um, we have the Indians and the Pakistanis and the um, and the Houstonians, and we have people actually who come from other cities uh, yes, also to dine with us. Um, and it's, it's brilliant. Uh, I see, especially when she uh, Mitu mentions the Houstonians, we we've had so many who have come back, dined, and then said, "Hey, wait a minute." I'm coming back. They come back with their parents, their grandparents, and they bring them. And, and it's so, it's, it's like so, so pleasing to watch people, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, people who are over 70 years old as well, taking that first bite and saying, hey, in my 70 years, I never knew that this kind of a flavor ever existed. And this is brilliant. I love it. So it's just, uh, it, that's your real reward there when you, when you see people go, come back, bring families, bring friends, and then, uh, you know, giving you that true uh, uh, feedback and appreciation of what they have. And as far as um, uh, critics go, uh, Chris, we've had, uh, we've had good luck there as well. Um, we had a really, I think one of the, the one that truly stands out is Alison Cook, who, uh, who came to us and, you know, Everybody was kind of preparing from the time we opened that, you know, we must have, uh, we must make sure that, you know, uh, she's a very 
reputed uh, food critic and you know people take her word very seriously and so we were like yes we have yeah, to that's true that she comes yeah that when she comes everything is impeccable and so it so happened that the day she came nobody knew about nobody it. knew and, and which is normally the case but we also were not our our executive it was the day that our executive chef was off uh, shami was traveling i was out so <laughs> you know it was like oh my god everybody needed to be there but um i think it's a testament to the fact that um our operations our our staff is so well trained and our operations uh, run so smoothly that though no no none of us was here uh, she, she had a wonderful experience she was really pleased with the with the service she gave us a she gave us a very glowing uh, review um from our food to the drinks to the service to the space so that it was really really um, really humbling really gratifying and it was a wonderful uh, reward to get uh, a great review like that for yes us. and it, and it's been an ongoing process as well through our 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 uh, pr company who represents us as well that there are many critics and uh, 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 food bloggers who come through and they they experience and then they go back and write it's been it's been good you know we are still yes, it has that. been i know i've been digging in and we've been reading glowing you know reports and wasn't too long ago you received some national attention wasn't it oh, yes, yes absolutely that was time magazine they they uh, i i remember i was in, sitting in the office and i got a call from new york and she produced herself as uh, you know the editor of time magazine and she said that we're doing this world's 20 uh, uh, world's top destinations 100. to 100 top destinations uh, to visit for 2021 21 and uh, we want to put your name in Houston and i said yeah, of course you know that's that'll be our pleasure tell me yes. what what can i so so they were just looking for some food pictures and uh, and and so i i sent those and that that was it someone from their staff had uh, visited us and uh, eaten here uh, at our restaurant and really enjoyed it and that's how it got back so well top 100 destinations in the nation is a really nice place to start i don't know how you're going to top that <laughs> <laughs> well let's see <laughs> you seem like an ambitious couple and so i have to ask as you um fine tune this concept and get your systems down and everything is there anything in the back of your mind about bringing something similar to other markets in the United States oh yes that was always the vision um uh, to to bring uh, to take the the brand uh, i i can be ambitious enough to say global you, you know this was our testing ground and um, it's given us a lot of confidence that yes we can do this yes it's acceptable to uh, the diners and uh, you know and 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 there is there is a future to it so we are planning on going to major cities in the us mm -hmm. and south america as well we feel that especially south america too the cuisine is still very alien and uh, we have a tried and tested product and i think uh, it would be a great success so uh, um that's my part of the job concept development so i'm i'm working day and night now you know trying to alienate a team with me so that we could develop concepts and we could go to cities negotiate spaces and uh, you know put up the right kind of a product mix over there uh, researching on which city we go to so yes uh, we we've got some very brave expansion plans mm -hmm. very impressive 
to balance a menu that you've been talking about that has got such a high level of authenticity and presentation, how do you then create um, a wine program and a beverage program to work? Uh, did that require its own uh, research? Were there, say, maybe certain regions of the homeland that lent you some inspiration for those parts of the concept? Um, so as far as wine and, and uh, the cocktail program goes, um, just like everything else, we knew that it had to be also uh, extremely niche and extremely exceptional um, as a part of the overall uh, restaurant. Uh, so when we designed our wine program, we actually sent our um, sommelier to India. Uh, she spent three weeks in India. Uh, we had a, you know, everyday itinerary for her that these are the places you're going to visit. This is the food that you're going to see. These are the streets that you're going to walk through. So the idea was for her to be able to truly understand the culture, how people are, how they dress, how you know, the cities are, how the different, uh, different cities are in the different regions of India. And then of course the food, which would be uh, instrumental in designing the wine list because uh, it, it would have to really complement uh, the regional cuisine that we, we were going to put up uh, in our menu. And um, wine and Indian food also we knew was going to be a challenge because um, it's not really, um, I guess wine in India itself is a new, uh, you know, development. So we knew, always knew that that was going to be a little bit of a challenge. And so it was wonderful that she spent those three weeks and came back and we put together a wine list that would, um, that would, again, of course, we wanted the big names. We wanted the ones that people knew, but we also wanted to bring out more obscure wines. We wanted uh, people to be impressed by the wine list in the sense that it's not a wine that you can find anywhere and everywhere, it's unique. Okay. Uh, so that's how we, um, we started and developed our wine program to be able to pair really well with the, with the food and our, uh, our cocktail, cocktail program uh, program as well. Um, we wanted to bring very unique craft cocktails which would highlight Indian flavors. And uh, we've got really great talent at the bar and uh, we have a very well-known mixologist uh, from India whom we hired as our consultant as well. He's the bourbon ambassador uh, to India from the US. Yes, and so our Indian, uh, sorry, our cocktail program also uh, is such that it's very, very unique. It's very innovative. They, they do, you know, clarified uh, cocktails, which is very rare um, to find in uh, most restaurants. A um, lot of what infusions a lot of you know they have the barrel age their own uh, uh, whiskeys with uh, Indian, spices. Indian spices we've got a east india manhattan we call it it's it's just an amazing drink you have to try that and so and we have the i would say um the validation of our program has been that we very often have been told that ours are one of the best if not the best cocktails uh, in, houston. in houston so that's great on the question of alcohol, and I hope I don't sound presumptuous, but just based on some things I've learned, I have Indian colleagues who do not like, do not drink alcohol. Um, so I would think, are there non-alcoholic beverages that are a little bit more exciting than you would get elsewhere in your restaurant for, for people who would not prefer to have alcohol 
but would want something more than than water or a soft drink. Absolutely, we have a lot of very interesting uh, non-alcoholic uh, beverages, uh, simply because of the fact, like you mentioned, that there are a lot of people who don't drink alcohol in India. So we feel fortunate to tap into that. Um, we've also we also have a like I said, a very innovative and adventurous team uh, behind the bar. We um, uh, there was a person who had used to drink and had had given up drinking and. Um, so everybody was having gin and tonics at the table and uh, uh, obviously he was feeling pretty bad that he couldn't. Uh, so our, um, the bar manager uh, actually made a gin and tonic for him without the gin uh, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Every time he comes, that's, the, that's his uh, go-to. Um, so yes, we do have, uh, we do have a lot a of- A very interesting uh, non-alcoholic coffee. You are taking care of so many regional preferences and other preferences. Um, it sounds like a huge menu, and it sounds like um, sourcing could be a bit of a challenge. But you hadn't mentioned that that has been an issue for you. Are you are sourcing an issue? Do you, do you do you have to import things from India because it's just you can't get it that good here, or? is stuff pretty much available for you without a lot of trouble? I think this is what we did uh, at the inception of the journey as well, was that every uh, region, every city, every town, every village we visited as well. If we were always on the hunt for uh, the authentic spices, because we we truly believe that uh, if you do not have the spices from that particular region because of so many, uh, you know, influences that 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 have the topography has on on the spices well the you cannot bring out the end product as flavorful so we did identify uh, uh, spices in different regions and we have a consolidator in india who consolidates the spices and and we get regular shipments from india and then we have the generic spices which we use and then we have in-house spices which we blend and make as well so that it's all about freshness Mm-hmm. Uh, then going further, we have uh, we curated our menu in such a way that we have the four seasons, and uh, so we have seasonal uh, ingredients so that we do not play with uh, uh, you know um, uh, produce or ingredients which is not fresh. Yeah, so it, as a culture um, in India, we we heavily eat uh, seasonally. So, um, and they're very distinct seasons. So we have the rainy season, which is called the monsoons, and of course the summer, the winter, and the spring. And uh, so we decided that, you know, there's a reason why you eat a certain, or you feel like eating a certain type of food or, or spice in that uh, time of year, you know, it's beneficial for your body as well. So we decided we would, um, we would highlight that aspect of uh, Indian cuisine. So we do a seasonal, spice blend so our i would say 60 to 70 percent of the spices in our kitchen completely change with every new season launch because it's an entirely different blend of spices that goes uh, into seasonal uh, cooking and then of course uh, highlighting and showcasing local produce so that's a big part of uh, how we design our menu we really want to uh, pay homage to what grows locally and what grows within season. So that's how we do our seasonal uh, cuisine. So the menu I might see as a guest in, in July might be quite different in December when I come to your restaurant. 
we, yes, yes, we just launched our monsoon menu about two weeks ago and it's amazing. It's so flavorful. And then uh, come November, towards the end of that is when the winter menu comes in. And certain dishes, uh, certain dishes that stay on the menu also seasonally have different spice blends that go in the same. So there, there's a lamb shank dish um, called Nalli, Nalli Nihari. And there's a summer Nalli and there's a winter Nalli. Depending on, because some summers you you need, the body needs cooling spices and in the winter it needs warming spices. Uh, the same goes with our chai. Uh, we change the spi uh, spice blends for the chai depending on the season and what the body needs. Wow. I think it's, <clears throat> I think that's fantastic. And I, and I think that um, uh, going back to a point you made earlier that, that the jobs here are also not just about, you know, talent and executing, but then they're also about learning. Um, and that might be just a, sort of an advantage. Certainly it is for the front of the house because they're learning so much now about how to explain the seasons, the seasonings, the presentation of the menu, how it, you know, works with the, uh, particular regions. Um, but how did you find the talent uh, to produce uh, successfully and consistently the food? Did you need to bring a team from India or did you find that you were able to find uh, here, you know, in the States, a willingness of line cooks and prep cooks to quickly learn and understand how you have to handle your food product? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a mix and match of both. But yes, we have a team of 14 chefs from India. And each of these chefs is from a different region in India. So uh, they are able to bring out, uh, uh, you know, the authenticity in uh, the, out the flavors in the food itself as well, because they are from those regions. And then obviously we have our executive chef, who's a brilliant, uh, very indulgent, very um, knowledgeable and very uh, passionate, passionate <laughs> chef. Yes. Uh, uh, so, so that team itself is 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 amazing. Is brilliant. I I I always say, and you know, in our discussions which we have as well on the business front, that as far as the kitchen goes, they've got it all. You know, they 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 keep the excitement in the menu. They their consistency is is solid, uh, but you know, so the, the entire work of, of the business has to be done from the front. But coming back to the line cooks, and uh, so we've had some amazing staff which has been uh, which joined us as well. And they are from all different countries and they're, they're, they're all kind of- uh, Extremely competent. Mm -hmm. they've, uh, they've learned very quickly um, the cuisine. We actually have had, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but we have a, um, a kind of oven uh, called uh, the tandoor. It's, yeah, it's a charcoal uh -huh. oven, you know, the oldest oven known to mankind. And uh, so we have, uh, we have this interesting uh, thing that we do it at Musafir. We have a monthly meeting with, with the entire staff, front of house, back of house. And we kind of, uh, we have little awards that we do as tokens of appreciation for, you know, for, for people in each category. And repeatedly, we have had uh, local uh, staff that has got the best, uh, the award for the best person at the Tandoor, which is, um, and I mentioned Tandoor specifically because it, it's not an easy task uh, to be able to become a master of uh, this uh, oven. It's a very unique oven. Um, you know, the chefs in the kitchen, uh, in, the, in this industry have a saying that 
you don't choose the tandoor, the tandoor chooses you. <laughs> <laughs> like Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, really. We've seen phenomenal talent in that department that the local uh, staff has also uh, been able to do really, really well at uh, all aspects of the Indian. So everything's made from scratch, I imagine. Absolutely. Everything is made. All the breads that come in, um, all, all are, like Shami was saying, even our spices are roasted and ground in-house. So you have a whole baking operation, I imagine. Uh, yeah. Yes. yeah. Pastries and desserts, a big part of, uh, you know, the Indian style cooking. What, what would be maybe a signature after dinner dish? So, um, Chris, desserts are a huge part of Indian culture. We just need an excuse to have something sweet. Um, if it's rainy season, it has to be, you know, fried and, and dipped in sugar. And if it's... Uh, if it's um, the summer season, it has to be something really juicy and light, but always, always sweet. So um, that that was always a you know no-brainer that we have to have great Indian desserts. Um, the trick with us has been that uh, trying to, I would say the Indian desserts are probably the hardest to get used to for a non-Indian palate, simply because they're extremely unidimensional. Most of them are milk-based, um, so you know you either really like it or you're like hmm, I don't know. So we were uh, we were fortunate to get a very uh, get a wonderfully talented uh, pastry chef, and um, we have in our uh, menu here we've done a lot of fun playing with uh, how we present Indian desserts. So again, the main element of the dessert would be. Uh, kind of kept pure in its uh, taste and flavor, but we do a lot of um, creativity in um, different kinds of, let's say, pastries. So if it's there's something called the halwa. So the halwa is like almost a semi-soft uh, kind of preparation made out of a lot of things. It could be flour, it could be uh, ground lentils, um, it could be nuts. Um, so we make the halwa, traditionally how you would have halwa in India is just a halwa, you know, it's just this really soft, nice pudding that you would eat. But um, here we've experimented and we've made a beautiful, like a, like a tart, so to speak, with a really nice crust at the bottom. Then we put the halwa and then we put nuts on top. So um, we've just been, like Tommy was saying, the mishti doi, we've been very, very creative with how we presented uh, the desserts. And um, they are... We have people who come having eaten at other restaurants, but wanting to still have dessert at ours. Okay. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> yes. Chris, the seasonality of the, of the menu intrigues me. Um, I don't recall talking to too many operators who have this kind of planned seasonality. Um, and you may have some experience with it with your years of consulting, but it seems to me that it would be a very valuable I'll call it promotional vehicle because it at least makes me want to come back there four times a year or twice a year or three times a year at the very least because I had a great experience and now I can go there and have a whole different experience. Um, can you talk to us about that from a restaurant consulting perspective? Because for me, it, it seems very compelling. Well, well, it is. Uh, and, and seasonality is something that, you know, a lot of restaurants do try to do. Um, and you will find many restaurants that are utilizing, um, say, local, utilizing fresh, 
Uh, so that means they have to rotate the menu more often and they have to create seasonal menus. But the interesting thing here that no, you don't see a lot of restaurants do is even some of the common dishes that stay throughout the seasons are presented slightly different because they're using the unique to that season's seasoning blend or preparation methods that are more popular during a particular season. So I think what they've done here at Musafir is uh, just kind of taken what people might be ex expecting and at many nice restaurants been accepting, but just taking it to the next level, which is kind of incredible to see. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about private dining room uh, group activities? I'm sure this has been hampered horribly because of the pandemic, but was that something that was designed into your facility? And is, is that a separate type of menuing when you have group gatherings or would it would people just have say large reservations get a big room and eat off the menu um so uh, chris the idea of separating our restaurant into different uh, dining areas and spaces uh, also had this underlying thought that of course one was that every time uh, a diner comes they would have a different experience depending on where they're sitting at but other than that it was also for this that we could have different groups um, sort of in, in taking up different spaces which they thought best suited their event um, or their gatherings. So we have, uh, we have a dining uh, area in the restaurant which is completely sealable. So we have doors which close, we have, um, uh, we have, a, we have a huge TV screen that pops up, we have a, a separate sound system you know, in that room. We have the lounge areas, which are by the bar for people who want to have a more relaxed evening, yeah. you know, with drinks. Um, younger people who have their birthday parties, uh, you know, so that it's by the bar and you get easy access to drinks and cocktails. The Shish Mahal, like I mentioned, which, which is a semi-private room, um, also a very unique dining experience, uh, just, you know, being there, sitting there. Um, we have the traveler's uh, room the tra with a huge traveler's table, which is about um, 18 feet, 19 yes, feet a long, single log uh, of wood. Um, so each area is uh, different, uh, offering a different dining experience um, for the semi-private to the private to, you know, people who want to do corporate events and, and things like that. And we have tailor-made menus for the events um, that happen here. We do have certain set offerings uh, that we give, but we work around with whatever our uh, clients uh, request or whatever our clients' expectations uh, are. Uh, so there, there, there are times when we have a proper seated uh, seven, eight course meal. So we have individual plating for each of uh, you know, each seated. There are times when we've had more of a cocktail event when people are just, you know, mingling around, standing on cocktails. So it's um, it's highly catered to whatever the demand is. So, so the, the one thing which we still have not been able to uh, start because we were waiting for COVID to kind of uh, totally go away uh, was our our uh, the the twelve to fourteen course uh, chef tasting menus and the focus entirely on that for two to three days a week. Um, uh, you know, and that's that's because the room, the way it's designed is was designed to have about about 24 guests sitting very close to each other. So uh, the chef would come out and the, or the chefs would come out and they would 
they would explain every dish and then take you through this entire journey. So Very that's something which we've not been able to implement till now. We're still waiting on it just because of the way it was planned and the space, it, the way it's planned and, and because of COVID still being there. Well, let's hope you can, we can see that soon. And it'll be really, really nice to see that. Absolutely. Yes, it's, it's actually, a, that was, that is something which showcases uh, our entire effort, you know, and, and, our, the, the, in, in, and in its entirety in the sense of, you know, taking you through a journey through different regions. And there are some recipes um, that were designed specifically for the chef tasting, which have not come to the menu. And every time we discuss and we think that, hey, that was a really great dish. Maybe we can bring it up in this time. I said, no, we're keeping that still for the chef tasting. Okay. So we're hoping to be able to launch that uh, soon, fingers crossed. Well, Barry, we've done many of these, but I can't think of one that's taken us a trip halfway around the world. Um, this, is, this has been a wonderful conversation. Absolutely. And uh, I've been to Houston with you a number of times, you know, and this was the one restaurant I wanted to visit when it was open. So um, I'm particularly happy to, uh, to talk to you all um, and happy that uh, in spite of all the challenges of the pandemic, you're moving ahead and, and you're even thinking about expanding it. So um, um, I really appreciate your time and, and telling us how this is working. And um, I'm very excited. Thank you, Thank you very much for us. Uh, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. This has been wonderful. I just want to underline for the listeners that, that sometimes doing a startup, uh, the commitment doesn't have to be, say, as exaggerated as needing to coordinate design from across the Atlantic. Uh, it doesn't need to be, you know, as painful as what you've gone through where you're building rooms that take months because of the care for the different regions that you wanted to represent and the authenticity of the materials. But I do hope that the listeners really take away that regardless of the concept, to have that commitment to research history as part of the training. Um, the fact that you took 14 key individuals from that country to come and make sure that the quality of the food represented that particular region. These are the kinds of things that I think everyone needs to make note of because I just think the industry deserves that kind of attention to detail. So you're to be congratulated. Thank, thank you, thank, thank you, you so much. Chris. Well, it's been uh, just to add a little humor to it that, uh, you know, uh, I remember just a few weeks ago when we were talking about the, the next expansion, you know, and, and we, we, we're still into bringing the, the Houston venture to its full bloom. Mitu um, threatened to leave me. She says, you do one more and I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that pretty much uh, outlines the expansion program. <laughs> No, I don't talk her into uh, coming from Dubai to Houston. Now I'll talk her to, you know. Yeah, going everywhere else. <laughs> I guess I, I, loved, I love doing what we do. So, you know, I'm pretty much uh, hooked and booked. <laughs> well, you do it well, and we wish you continued success. So to the listeners, we just want to tell you the concept is Musafir. The restaurant is exquisite. Look it up. Uh, Shami, Mitu, uh, Malik were our guests. And um, we're so pleased that Musafir got off to such a good start. Continued success. Thank you all. May we all connect again pretty soon on the next Corner Booth. Thank you for joining us on the Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business.